Hello, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the first episode of um, Disconnected, a series by John Doe. Um, today you have me, Lola, and my colleague Ladina, and we'll be talking with a couple of people that have created spaces for different scenes within the Black British community. We'll, and we'll also have a look into the impact that coronavirus has had and other current situations and how this will change our new norm. Hi everyone, my name is Nabila. I am one of a collective team called Black Femme Film, um, which is under our wider business called Hugh Agency. Um, I'm Black British, I live in London. But yeah, I'm just sort of excited to, to talk about our origin story because it's quite it's quite a funny one and to just sort of delve into the topics at hand um so my name's tiana um i'm the founder and director of black girls camping trip um which is basically like we run outdoor retreats for black women in the uk um i want to say like more because they've been so much <laughs> that's it i'm just a professional clown on twitter that's it and david my name's david uh you know i'm manager i don't record Co-founded the party with my brother called Recess and a new radio station called No Signal. So you all kind of gave us like a brief summary on like what your area of focus is on. If you'd like to go in some more depth about um, like your origin story, I know that we're eager to hear that and what really um, led you to start the event and how you found the community reacted to your event as well. No, my origin story is actually like people always look at me funny when I try to tell them the origin story because it's actually kind of it was an accident. <laughs> no, really, it was actually an accident. I swear down. Um, so basically, I used to live in Tennessee. I loved it there, but obviously for obvious reasons, it was not a long term. <laughs> I can say a long term. I actually moved there just after Trump um, became it came in, so maybe two weeks later. Mm. Um, so I was in Tennessee and when I was there um, there was these white girls in one of my classes at university and she's like oh like we're going camping this evening we're going to drive to North Carolina we're going to drive halfway up a mountain walk the rest of the way camp mm. at the top and then watch the sunrise in the morning I was like that is the whitest thing I've ever heard in my life <laughs> but I was really intrigued by it so I was like okay, yeah. cool I want to go but I was scared because they're white so I don't like what if they start doing some weird stuff like get out that would have been weird in fact get out had just come out and I went to go and see it in Tennessee as well so I was like no that's weird so I went back to one of my friends I was like to her look they've invited me to go camping yeah but I'm not going unless you go she was black as well she's like oh like you've never camped before I was like in England do you know it rains <laughs> no so we got in this car now in the literally dead of night like 10 o'clock 11 o'clock we drove from Tennessee State to North Carolina State so 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 down we drove halfway up the mountain we hiked up the rest in the there's no lights in the mountains none it was pitch black um, we got to the top of this mountain I've never done so much walking in my life um and then we camped. So the white girls, they camped on like one side. Me and my friend camped on the other side because their side was cold and stuff. The, the other side of the mountain was a bit warmer. We had to tie up our hair stuff at, at night and stuff. And they didn't have to do that. They were just laying down in the grass. So um, like the, the camping experience was very different for us. We also had a tent. They didn't have a tent. They just slept outside. They just slept outside just like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, we had a I tent. Like They're looking at us like, why is he in the tent? We're like, <laughs> 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 anyways it was one of the best experiences 
experiences of my life. Honestly, the next morning, watching the sunrise from um, mountains, I was like, wow, look how beautiful God's creation is. It was just the most beautiful thing I've ever done. Came back to the UK now. I was like to my mates, guys, let's go camping. They're like, no, we're not doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> They're like, absolutely not. I was trying to get them to go camping for a year. Um, and then after that, one night, I was like, forget it. I've got bear followers online. I just asked some of my black, black women followers if they want to come camping with me this summer. So I tweeted it maybe about midnight. Do any black women on my TL want to come camping with me? Next one I woke up, there was hundreds of response, responses and like loads of people asking for me to do it. So like to set it up. So um, another follower that I had, her name is Bumi, she helped me um, create it. We only had two weeks to create it because it was coming to the end of summer. So most campsites in the UK were closing at that point because it gets too cold too quickly. Um, so from that day of that first tweet, two and a half weeks later, we, we were at the first girls, Black Girls Camping trip. Wow, you moved fast. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's really, a, what's the word, like encouraging to hear because there's always that kind of worry when you first start something, is anyone going to be interested? Am I delusional? Yeah, but, on uh, the first camping trip, so one of my um, nursery friends lives around the corner. She bought a ticket to come to the first camping trip and she we drove together. And the whole way there, I was saying, we're going to get to that campsite. <laughs> no one's going to be there. <laughs> it's going to be empty. It's just going to be like crickets. We're just going to be camping on our own. <laughs> but it was fine. 60, 65 people came to the first trip. Oh, um, Navilla, do you want to talk about your um, brand? Yeah, sure. So Black yeah. Film is essentially a collective dedicated to Black and mixed women, primarily Black mixed British women or people that identify as women. Um, but obviously we're trying to be international soon, hopefully. <laughs> um, so the idea behind that is just to bring black and mixed women together to enjoy film, TV and pop culture. Literally, it's as simple as that. Like we have created this safe space because we saw there was a lack of it. So the origin story is roughly during the time that, was it roughly just after actually the time where Black Panther came out and we observed that everybody was rallying together like it was really great we saw like people in the community like get kids after school to watch the film on the weekend the elderly like really bringing people together and going to watch the film multiple times specifically to support the film and the concept but also to support um Ryan Coogler as the first Marvel director and the budget he had and all that kind of great stuff. So loads of accolades wanted to support. Fabulous. Then just after Black Panther came out, A Wrinkle in Time, which is a Disney film, it's an adaptation of a book, that came out and it pretty much had a similar standing point. So first Disney, first Black director for Disney, which was Ava DuVernay, similar budget to Black Panther, um, a really diverse uh, cast. It had Storm Reid, uh, Oprah, and a few other Black and minority um, cast members. So it was, it was, a, it was very important. It was kind of like first, first, big budgets, yada, 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 yada. And obviously Marvel is its own brand. Marvel's huge. So we knew the reach for Marvel was going to be way bigger than anything else. But we did notice a lack of support and a lot of digital chatter as well and community efforts for Ava DuVernay. So like most things, it started from a Twitter rant. I can't remember who it was out of us, but somebody which is kind of tweeting like, oh, like, I think it's a bit somehow that, you know, black women in general just don't tend to get the same support from the wider community, blah, blah, blah. And literally one by one, 
like there's five of us so one by one we all joined the twitter conversation we were just like yeah this is our order like we should go watch it and then one of the team was like do you know what i'm just gonna make a group chat so we made a group chat put all five of us in there and i think primarily we were gonna go and watch it ourselves as fivesome and have a great time tweet about experience put on instagram all that kind of stuff whatever but then as we formed the group chat and people were joining in the twitter conversation we saw quite a few people going hey this sounds interesting this sounds interesting i want to come i want to come i want to come so literally that sparked should we do something and literally we met up a few days later um and then six days after that we sold out ritzy in brixton it's about 150 seats yeah sold out Ritzy and Brixton all of it was black women I think there was a couple children as well because it is technically a kids film uh, a couple kids so women brought their children or nephews and brothers and sisters um watched the film together we had a lot of um really key people in the black British community so we had Leomi Anderson came Misha B came uh Sophia Tissu came Toby K came like a lot of people showed out and came and then we walked down the road like from Ritzy there's like a um a restaurant called Cabana like further down Brixton so they have like a downstairs bit so we had like a little after mixer there we had a DJ again our DJ was a black woman we had a photographer our photographer was a black woman and we just sort of chilled and whatever so we thought party done (laughs) we could sleep that's it and literally the next day everyone was like so when's the next one when's the next one when's the next one and we were just like whoa like we act like this is something and literally that was it we just wanted to support and it was amazing because as well as doing that for the 150 plus black women that turned up um we also you know tweeted Ava Duvernay uh, Ava Duvernay which is kind of like oh this is what we did like these are all the women that showed up for you and as well as tweeting us publicly she also DM'd us and was just like thank you so much like I wish I could have been in London with you guys to watch it with you guys but for that for me I was like that's it I can go to bed now <laughs> that's it like Ava Duvernay knows who we are kind of stuff so that was the origin and yeah like the essence of it is just to enjoy like not everything has to be about pain not everything has to be about us enduring not everything has to be about struggle like we can just go and watch a film any lousy film doesn't even have to be like pinnacle to black cinema but it could be just a lousy film and we watch it we turn up sometimes we might actually talk about the themes of the film which we've done a few times depending on what the film is and I guess it's cultural magnitude but yeah, we just want to be and enjoy. And unfortunately, it's the case where a lot of black women tend to feel more comfortable, you know, in a party scene around other women. So we wanted to give people that choice as well. We have sometimes thrown parties where it has nothing to do with film. It's just like, come and enjoy. Like we threw a summer day party in 2019 or 2018, which was so good. Like, it was so good. We had like, 200 and something black women all black women mind you all different sexualities and religious backgrounds as well which was great come and enjoy in where was it i think it was brixton clapham somewhere like that come and enjoy and just have a good time and go home and that is probably one of our most memorable parties because they could just be free like some people didn't want to drink they could go over here we wanted to make things a little bit more accessible to everybody um Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's sort of the the 
birth story of us. It literally all started from a conversation on Twitter. And we've gone back and we found that conversation. We've screen grabbed it as well. Because I think one day, inshallah, when we get our, when we get our office, we're going to stick it and frame that tweet on the wall <laughs> and just be that. like, this is where it started. But yeah, it it was almost accident as well. We just thought, oh, let's just do like a one-time thing. And literally just the demand of the people were just like, yo, this was sick. Where's the next one? And we were just like, well, we're going to we're gonna give it to you. And that brings us so much joy. Like, we do a lot of stuff outside of Black Film Film, but being able to bring a community together and to create a safe space, um, not to sort of avoid any issues that are happening, but just like there should be time for everything. Like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's fair. You know, right now we're currently going through a period where people really feel like they need to be tapped in and engaged in, you know, tr- trauma essentially all the time. And I don't think that's healthy for anybody. And I know it's kind of a necessity right now because we want our voices heard. But I think being able to form a collective, especially within the Black British space, because Britain likes to pretend we don't exist. And internationally, people don't know that we exist, mind you. So I think it's so important to have our foundations in these different different things. Like, there's no reason that there can't be more Black British collectives or businesses or entertainment groups or anything like that doing because we deserve to have options. I don't, I don't particularly see why it's a, it's a bad thing or anything. But yeah, um, Dave, would you like to talk about? Um like how in how recess was introduced and the follow-on from no signal as well um yeah recess started before it was called recess um jojo's and before it was called jojo's it was literally barbecues in our house so that we were born and raised in Tottenham but then we got to secondary school we moved to Essex and then in Essex I was probably not probably, I was the only black boy in my year for my whole duration there. And the other black people might be like one in the year above, three in the year above, and maybe like a couple in the year below. So it was quite mad, you know what I mean? So like, um, the only time I would ever get a taste of 24 hours of blackness was on the weekend when we would go to London, when we go back to London. Um, that's when we were always in London, so church and just on Saturdays as well, we were just always in London. So that's the only time we'd ever get a taste of blackness. That's the only time people were able to Bluetooth us music. Like we didn't have the experience of being on the bus and people sending people stuff and all that stuff. Like we completely missed that. We were obviously out here in Essex. So then it got to when we got to college now and we was like, yo, we just went for our secondary school life going to bear these, our current counterpart house parties and it was fun. Like, I won't knock it and say that it is dead because they have their fun, but I just knew that this ain't me. I'm not comfortable. can't be myself. Number two, it's not the music I listen to in my spare time. So it's like, I'm not going to go to a party and start enjoying. So then the same thing as Joel. So then there was people doing barbecues, like house parties, like black people all over Essex. And house parties was just a damn thing. 2010, between 2010 and 12, it was like, house parties in Essex was like, was mad and back then they were only in dance hall that's the only time you can go out somewhere and hear dance hall music like you can't go to no club you can't go to nothing it's only a house party that's when people were doing the daggering music the bad stuff was the raining champ and it was just mad but it was only house parties we didn't experience no clubbing 
You had no club that you can go to. All the underage clubs was just all like, I don't know what type of music, but you know, like the, uh, I wanna know. It's music. Like, <laughs> all of that music. So like, how far it was raining. So then one time, Joe was like, oh, that's it. I think my dad must have went Nigeria or something. Something like that. They just went about in it. And Bob was like, damn, I want to have a barbecue. It's my birthday. It was like, boom, cool, cool. Like some of our friends, the bedroom, sorted out the sound. Got a little DJ set up outside in the drive. People in the house, we cleared the sofas, pushed everything back. Everyone, all the black people in Essex. And because people in London, and you guys know you did this as well, if you're not from Essex, looked at people from Essex like, like you were done not black. Like a black yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like we were black people. And we used to take it to heart. We used to think, no, we're black. Like, we're black as you. We were born in the same hospital, same primary school, probably same secondary school. We just moved out at a certain time because either our parents were short because some of the children were getting too much trouble, number one. Number two, our block of flats were getting knocked down, so people were forced to move out. There's a lot of people like that were like that, so it was, it was out of our control kind of thing. So... Let me move here. We did this party now. This party was jumping. Like, everyone was like, oh my days, this is crazy. Blah, 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 blah. This is mad. This is mad. This is mad. Then we did another one, and everyone's like, okay, JoJo's got the half parties on lock. I'm thinking, yeah. And I'm two years younger than him, so he's in, I must be like in year 11, and he's in like second year college or something like that. So I'm just looking after them. I'm still there enjoying like with them. Obviously, this is not my age mates kind of thing. My friends are coming, but they're not my age mates at the end of the day. Especially when you're in school and college, age mates are very clear. It's not when you get to uni, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But when you're in school and college, it's different. You can't really be with these people like that, innit? Cool. So this why he's jumping, jumping. Joe's like, okay, cool. I want to do my 18th birthday. I believe it was 18. In a club in Essex. Some random area was so hard to get to. I think that chance for the something like that. It was hard to get to this club. But, bruv, it was jumping. Everyone was like, yo, we finally got something that's ours in this area. That's like, and we got bumped. The bouncers were taking the money on the door. We didn't know anything about parties. We probably made about 500, 600 pounds. And we didn't see any of it. Wow. And the bouncers were taking the bread, putting them, they were telling us that's what they have to do. And we were like, okay, like, that makes sense, kind of thing. We had no, and we really played for higher of the club as well. Like my mom put some money down for it as well. Cool, that happened now. Then we realized, okay, there's a bag here. I think Joe was like, okay, cool. There's something happening here, isn't it? So Sneak Bowl was raining at that time, isn't it? 2011, 12. Sneak Bowl was hot. So we bought Sneak Bowl to Essex. Like the first time bought Sneak Bowl to Essex. And I was like, oh my gosh, Sneak Bowl's coming to Essex. One of our family friends chipped in. My mom also chipped in. The night was a flop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then that was a flop. Um, not that many people would end up turning up. Sneakball performed that one song. You saw there was a much people. You walked up the stage. Um, yeah, speak. Um, the DJ that we hired was some white guy, and he was playing their type of music. Even if he was to play uh, a black song, he play some Next Kiss FM remix, and you're like, yo, what? What the hell's going on? We knew we, 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 we knew we fucked up. <laughs> People were leaving. People were like, what nonsense is this? We were like, okay, this is, this is really bad, isn't it? Cool. Do you know what I found that really interesting, yeah? You see the second Black Girls Camping trip? I didn't. I don't like that trip. I don't even like to think about it. It upsets me. Oh, my God. But to know that that, that was the first, like, recess and that you guys yeah. have such a reputation now, I can fix it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when I mean the first one, well... Because, no, it wasn't that bad. 
Hey, this is bad. Whenever you really turn up, the DJ was playing some whack music. It was like really, really bad. People left, like lost money, like lost so much friends. Cool. So Joe's now moved to London now for uni. And then he's done a barbecue in Shoreditch. Before that, Joe was like going to a lot of parties. Like Joe was very social, in it? Um, and then the first time I remember, he did like a barbecue uh, in this place in Shoreditch. And it was free. He just did it free for the people. Roadblock was clear. It was good. It was like, okay, cool. Let's make this a thing now. So then he did another JoJo's. Again, we did it in Hackney. Again, free for the people. Is that like, okay, cool. Then as we started progressing, we realized there was a demand. That's when we started charging people. We were like, okay, we can charge people, make some money. Um, Ace Hotel was like our home ground for a while. And then we outgrew Ace Hotel. Ace Hotel ended up starting violating us anyway. So we ended up in like, um, places. Then that's when recess came now. So Georgia's has done its run. We've done bare venues. Georgia's has done the run. And then we took like a break in it. We thought that, okay, maybe parties about this thing in it. And then we had a collective called High Roller, which we started. And we had a studio in Peckham. And we thought, okay, this is what we want to do. Photography, content, that's what we want to do. That was more of a cash loss than making money. So we realized, okay, we need to bring this thing back up. Cool. So he's like, okay, cool. We're going to start parties again, but it's not going to be Georgia's. Because we've got this thing is like in our like family that once you say once you close something it's not really good to to like reopen that book again in it if you say if you said in it like we just have this belief that like, if you said that it's done it's done it's best to start something new cool so I was like Joe you remember like Dan said that JoJo's is closed in it like so like let's think of da 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 he's like okay cool at first I won't, I won't even lie to you I went on it he was like I'm gonna do a thing called recess I'm gonna give it to the youngest because he's not that what JoJo's they're getting old now. Yeah, so I'm going to give it to the youngers. I'll get a younger to control it. We don't have to do anything. You just go there during the party, collect the bread and go home. The first Jojo, first recess, not been documented, never be documented. <laughs> it was actually us. Where was <laughs> In Ace, we went back to Ace Hotel. So we, we scaled down from going higher and higher from scaling up numbers. Mm-hmm. We scaled down again, went back to Ace Hotel. We walked in there and it was just a mosh pit of like a hundred guys. And mm-hmm. we was like, why is this place full of men? This mm-hmm. is horrible. Like, what? I didn't even have this many male friends. It was like, this is, it was just hot people pushing each other, balls getting thrown. And we were just sitting at the bar looking at everyone like this, like, yo, <laughs> this is mad kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we was like, yeah, we took it off the youth that did it. I won't say his name because he's one of our close friends as well. We said, listen, bro, he, he's, under, he's actually even big in fashion now because he didn't want to do parties, but we knew he was that guy in his, in his age group, he was that guy in it. But he's now big in fashion in it. So parties wasn't his thing. So we took it away from him. He's like, okay, cool. We're going to put Jojo's and Reese's together. That's what we're going to do. We're, just, we're not going to have nothing for the younger, nothing for the older. You're over 18, you can come to the party in it. Cool. We did a recess and um, recess. We did now went to Mango. And then that recess was crazy. Road that was block, a great. Was I'm not going to lie. That was a great one. Yeah. So <laughs> that, 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 was that was a great one. That was a comeback. That was actually yeah. the comeback because we had people before. We had like Steepers that one. We had Suspects that one. And that was like the comeback. Like, okay, right, damn. Recess, Jojo, whatever. It's back now kind of thing. And then from then, it was just it just went up. And then eventually, as we was doing that, no signal then appeared because we was getting so many requests from DJs and they were like, they want to jump on. And it's not like the DJs are bad. So it's not like, but we kind of have a system that works. And if it's not broken, we don't really want to fix it right now unless a DJ pulls out last minute and we might add some new 
people, but recess works as it is, isn't it? People, more time, people don't even know the DJs are coming. They just know they're going to recess and they're going to hear good music. So we was like, okay, cool. We're going to start something else and it's for DJs, for music lovers. And we can put all the DJs that don't make it to the recess lineup. They can make it here. And then if they outshine, they can end up going to the recess. So it's meant to start as like a baby sister to um, recess. Yeah. And then we started doing small events. Um, and it was costing us too much, like boiler room type events. It was just, it was, it was becoming expensive. It was becoming a loss. So then we stopped that. And then all we started to do was live stream our parties. So we were live streaming our parties. So if you couldn't come to recess, you can go to nosignal.com and you can listen to the party from your home. We wasn't getting much listeners, but I remember one time we got like 20 listeners and we were gassed. We were like, yo, we got 20 people locked in right now. Mm. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And because live stream, me and Joe have been obsessed with live stream because in 2014 and 16, we used to live together and we used to do like random live stream stuff. So like we shoot a short film then we live stream it on YouTube. And then one time we had like 700 people watching it together. And me and Joe were like, oh my gosh, 700 people are watching this film right now. I remember we was gassed. So live stream has always been something that we really wanted to do in the future. So then eventually we did like, start doing small events as well that No Signal will be a part of. So we did something with Gold Link, which was like a pop-up show. No Signal streamed it. So we just started using No Signal as that. Like, okay, let's just stream important things. And then at the beginning of quarantine, we was seeing all the versus stuff. But I remember Joe was like, he can't watch it because he doesn't enjoy the sound quality. And I was like, fair enough. Like, that's, that's the truth. It sounds bad. And I remember for like a couple of weeks, he was just kept on finding ways of, okay, how can we do a clash and um, make the sound good? So we went to start with just doing clashes with producers and DJs. And DJs weren't on it. Producers were shunning us and doing it themselves blah, blah, blah. So he's like, okay, fuck it. Let's just get normal people that are fans of the music, supporters of the music, and let them just do it themselves. Like, can't wait on these people, blah, blah, blah. Cool. And then he's thinking, okay, cool. If we can do this then, we might as well have different types of shows. So then RBC, um, AAA, and VI, they then started programming. We started with Recess and DLT. So they did a takeover on No Signal. So it started with that. Then on one Friday, I did one like, um, commission of classics where I was just playing classic music and it started from everyone just in our circle just doing small small shows and it started to pick up like people like, oh my gosh like, this, is kind of, this is kind of good we start realizing we're getting like 600 listeners like a show this is this is quite good that like, people are engaging and then the 10v10 thing started and then at first it was slow listeners but it was nice I remember when we got like 600 on one 10v10 we were gas. we were like oh my gosh there's 600 people like this is crazy oh my god we thought we were broken big that like it's the biggest we're gonna get this season in it da, 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 da. and then i remember the breakthrough episode was the kojo fund and and um jj huss one that's the one when it became like because i think there's like four thousand people in that one i mean it was like oh my gosh there's four thousand people listening to kate kojo and jay huss and then my carrie beyonce and then burner boy popcorn and then vice Carter whiskey and then that's when it started becoming to numbers of like half a million, 600,000. And that's when it became crazy. And then now we run from 10 o'clock to 12 a.m. every day. That's mad. Wow. Yeah. That sort of growth in such a small amount of time as well. Well, just for, during quarantine, I mean. Yeah, it's nice to see. You all kind of have similar stories as well. Like, 
kind of like are people going to show up and I mean I guess it's all just a learning curve when you start your own sort of business or yeah. events um I guess like what have you learned since starting definitely. um I've I've definitely definitely learned that putting on events it really depends putting on events is a cash loss like either way like it's so expensive people people really 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 do not understand how much things cost like even me now that I've been doing this for two years whenever I go to parties and stuff or events and in my mind I want to cost them for not having something in the back of my mind I'm thinking bro this thing probably costs like 400 pound where they're getting the 400 pound from or whatever like it's super 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 expensive and there was a period of time where similar to like how frequent like recess would have parties we were doing things back to back as in at least twice a month once a month for like a year we were running ourselves ragged just doing 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 and to the point where we had to we plateaued we were just like guys like we're spending so much money and not to say we're not making money but obviously when you're a small business of any kind most of that money goes back into your business you don't get to chop it so like we're not chopping the money. It's not like you see me with like Christian Dior or some shit. Like you're seeing me with my same Zara bag, like <laughs> the same bag from two years ago. It costs so much money. That's one of the things I learned and having to just be smart about our spending. Like we've definitely learned so much financially, hundred percent. And I think another thing that I've learned from this is like this is kind of philosophical or whatever but how important it is for me and my team to pay black people like from the very 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 beginning we none of the people like djs photographers videographers editors vendors none of the people we've worked with have ever worked with us for free even if we had to take money out of our own pocket to pay everybody we ensure that black people get paid like it's not a it's not an if or a but for us. So for me, when I look at big conglomerates and they're not running people their money, I'm just like, you lot are buzzing because it's easy. You just pay them. <laughs> you just don't want to pay them. So yeah, those are probably the two two main things. I can definitely second that um, cash loss thing. Black Girls Championship is an absolute, like it's battered my accounts. So the first camping trip, um, I didn't, because like I said, I only had two weeks to plan it. So I didn't know what we was going to do. I only charged people basically what it cost for them to be on the campsite. Mm. All the activities I funded myself. Mm. The second one, I was like really intent on keeping the cost low. I was like, nah, the cost has to be low. We can't be overcharging black women. We can't be doing that with the lowest paid and blah, blah, blah. We're, um, you know, it's, we're going to find it harder, um, rest But um, so I kept that cost low. It was only £30 for the second camp- camping trip to be there for three days. Wow. Um, that is cheap. Bloody hell. Yeah, Let me tell you, you bumped, you bumped yourself. You bumped yourself. <laughs> no, 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 because, no, okay, it's not, that first of all, registered is a non-profit. I'm not supposed to profit no, 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 off it. No, I don't no, want to pay you, but even if I took camping for 30 quid, I'd be like, where am I seeing? Yeah, where am I seeing? Because that was going to be my second thing. People are mad. That's the second thing, yeah? <laughs> Everybody is mad except me. I've said it to myself five times today already. <laughs> Everybody except me is mad. If I can, if I can like reaffirm that to myself, then I'll never, I'll never put myself in crazy situations like charging people thirty pounds to camp for, um, and I have to provide them with entertainment and food for three days. You're mad. Three days. That's mad. 
I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I promise you. I just realized the numbers. It's costing a lot more than that. What I'm realizing is that I need to stop trying to alleviate the pressure of paying for it, but give people the opportunity to help themselves to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the things I'm going to offer for the next trip is um, you can pay for your entry ticket, let's say in January, but then you can pay for each of your activities each month. It's £10 each. So that means you can have a full roster of activities, but um, I'm still getting the money that I need. Because, I, like I said, I'm like you said, sorry, um, Nabila, I'm paying people as well. I have mm-hmm. to pay the person that runs um, the yoga class. I have to pay the person that runs the art class. I have to do that. I have to find the marquee from somewhere and find somebody to put it up. So I'm going to alleviate that, st- that stress. It's not my business anymore. I put the provisions in place for people to be able to pay and to, um, for it to be low cost. And that's for them to be paying your 10 or 20 pounds every month what you can afford um, leading up to the trip, your little pay down option. So yeah, it's a massive cash loss. But also people are mad. The, sec- the first trip here, <laughs> the first trip <laughs> was the first, obviously that was the first time we've ever done it. We didn't know what it was like. This a girl who came to the trip, she, um, she went into town one of the days, like, because I love the girls. They can go wherever they want. It's their retreat, isn't it? They, she left with a group of girls. They went to Sainsbury's. They met a group of boys. Yeah. She, <laughs> told them, <laughs> she told them where we are. And when I say she told them where we are, I mean, she even told them we're on campsite B. Wow. This, this place. So in the middle of the night, because my mom's got a disability, middle of the night, I left the campsite to go and call my mom. Speaking to my mom now. Um, and as I was trying to come back in, there was a bag of man outside the campsite there was a bag of guys yeah <laughs> my heart was beating <laughs> we're in the middle of nowhere there's no signal anywhere there's it's dark there's no lights I was like no they're gonna kill us <laughs> I brought these girls out I brought 65 girls out to the middle of nowhere they're gonna murder us all now but we they have security on site the security guy as well he's like to me like there's these guys have showed up they said that a girl on the campsite has told them where you guys are he's like they even know which campsite number you're on and mm-hmm. said that there should be a bunch of girls there and apparently it's a big party and that's not a big party who told that? I was absolutely fuming so that's when I was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a retreat you know a retreat for us to be painting and balloon release and all of that it's quiet <laughs> It's the middle of nowhere. They're, literally, there's deer that come out on the campsite and they graze and everything. What? What did you think was going on there? <laughs> I was shook. But not only that, I was very angry because I was like, look, people would derail the things that you're trying to create. They're more than ha- they didn't. They didn't put in the work. They didn't set up those nights. They didn't go through all the emails. I was working full time. I was going through all these emails. I was um, paying all these people. They weren't there, so they're they're happy to derail the thing that you've created. And to not take it personally, realise that people are mad and it's nothing to do with you. It's, it's not a reflection of you. Because I was like, what should I have said to the girls when they came on the campsite to make them realise that was unsafe? But you know what? We're all grown women. Everybody there was over the age of 18. We're all big people. You know, you should have known that was dangerous. You're putting people's life in danger. And not only that, I told the girls, this is a black women's space only. So what would make you think that was appropriate to invite people, whether you've known them for 10 years or 10 minutes, to the campsite is wrong. So I was like, no, nah, people are mad. Everyone's mad, like I said. <laughs> Everyone is mad. Um, Dave, any life lessons or anything that you've learned through... Um, um, yes. I've learned that, apart from the points that Dave made, which I definitely agree is a cash loss, and people do definitely derail your like, mission. Um, also, it's like, very important to, if you see an issue like address it there and then like we've had like you need to understand when you have a party there's certain things that will happen so for example 
men acting out of hand. Um, if you come to research, you can know that it's usually maybe there might be the one off research where it's a bit odd, but it's, it's, there's more women than men more times. So um, you understand that that what, for whatever reason it is that women love to come to research more than the guys do. The guys will always turn up late trying to buy a place in the door they can't even get in. The women, they're buying it from as soon as the tickets come out, they're buying it cool. So there is sometimes where guys do step out of hand and they get a bit excited when they see, oh my gosh, there's so many ladies in one room, oh my days, and they, they, they lose control and then they act up. There's an instance where girls are, they come to us during the party and they're like, yo, this guy's touched me in a certain way or he said this to me or blah, blah, blah. And we had to address it there and then because it's like, and there's times where I thank God that we did address it because there's times we have to kick people out of the party because they went situations now come up on, on Twitter. Um, we then have people that defend us that be like, no, Research do deal with it because I'm a person that's fit for it and Research has dealt with it on the spot. So I think it's very important for when any backlash comes that people know that now we don't tolerate bullshit. Even during the parties, we're also saying like um, consent is sexy. That's like a slogan we made and everyone started using that. That, that slogan throughout the club culture in London um, mm. because we was getting so many, so many, so many situations where guys were just getting very, very excited, especially because the venues we were given access to were not proper venues. So they weren't clubs, so they weren't like um, cameras everywhere. Um, there's, 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 there weren't like, a, there's, there's a lot of dark spots because they're not really clubs in it. Do you know what I mean? So people were trying to do things they can get away with and we just weren't having it. We were making sure we were always speaking up as we can allow about it. So I think dealing with situations on the spot as it happens in the party, no matter how tense or it may cause trouble, try to cause fights, whatever, I think it's best to deal with it on the spot so you can avoid backlash. Definitely, I agree. Um, where do you see your events growing in the future? How do you see it growing in the future? Oh, guys, can I answer this first? Of course. So, um... A lot of people, I get a lot of messages and stuff like that from people from black women, specifically like in the US and Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, when are you going to come over here? Blah, blah, blah. And I really thought about it because I thought this would be so easy because they already have campsites and stuff like that already there. They already have um, community organization. And if you actually slap the name black on anything in the US or the Ameri- North America, they'll show up. Mm-hmm. But I know that in, deep down in my heart, my interest is here in Europe where we don't have that that representation, where we don't necessarily have all that community organisation already. And so I'm really feeling like moving forward, I want to move east and go to France and find um, black women there who are obviously, they've, they they would already be doing their work and bring them in and get them to run the campsite. They can use uh, me and uh, my second as um, reference points for how to run their camping trip and just have this umbrella branch of camping trips and black women retreats across Europe so I'm thinking France and Berlin uh, like Paris and Berlin right now I think I'll be, enjoy that that's exciting mm. um I think I think future for black film film I definitely think we want we want to open it up well it's open but we want to make it so that all black women understand that it's accessible to them. Because one thing we found is as soon as you say something's women only, they associate it with what we found we were being associated with being an LGBT plus community. Whereas our team is open to the LGBT community and we're so happy that they support us and we support them and stuff. But 
why is it when it's like women's only, it's like, oh, it's for queer women only. No, you can all come. So we want to make it clear that it's for all black mixed women. And um, I don't know. I think we just want to continue what we're doing. We want to continue the fun. We don't want to lose sight that our essence is fun and enjoyment. Um, you know, we've created a creative agency, which is Hue, which sits on top and Black Femme funnels down. So that's one of our arms, it's our community arm. So as our creative agency grows, Black Femme Film will grow. And for us, it's just mainly about continuing this safe space. Um, we'd love to do an international trip as well. We'd love to do more partnerships. We were really, really in our partnership bag like a year or so ago. Um, and then we sort of took some time out to sort of focus on shaping our business and shaping our creative agency. Creative agency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, I just kind of feel like you can, we can only just really go up type of thing and just create, just allowing people to have access to these different things. Like, I think it's just so important for us and to not lose sight of our message. Cause one of the things we struggled with is like, so the locations we would pick for like parties and stuff will be places like Peckham, Brixton, uh, I think we've been in East once or something. But probably- it's kind of far, trust me. <laughs> um, primarily what about Essex? Nah, <laughs> primarily places in like south or like somewhere in east yeah and we would hire clubs bars all that kind of space really casual spaces and one thing we found is like people find it really difficult to just acknowledge that this is a black only space people want to bring in their boyfriend like one girl brought her boyfriend to our event and we were just like hi sorry sir like this is a black film black women he was like oh I came with my girlfriend and it's, I was just looking at the girl and I was just like you know I told you everybody is mad to be you like you know that this is a black women only event and you brought your man to do what I'm confused I'm so I'm confused so like that or people want to bring in their non-black friends non-white non-black friends they think they get a pass and it's just like guys like why are we not comfortable in dedicating something to ourselves I just I don't understand that so I think we just want to continue driving in that work and just show the importance of these safe spaces um Mm -hmm. yeah and we've been saying for a while we would love to do an international trip like facilitate something where we can take our girls internationally obviously that costs a lot Mm -hmm. um yeah, I think right now we're just kind of thinking of like how we do what we do, but in a virtual sense. Because also we can't reach, we can't be together right now. And trying to make something your own virtually is actually not as easy as people think it is. Because yeah. obviously the internet is open to everybody. So yeah, I think that's just that's where we're at now and sort of for the future. Yeah, it'll be good to hear as well, um, Dave, where you think no signal would be. Yeah, going in the future. Yeah, definitely a physical radio station. Um, yeah, that's hundred percent something. Also, we're realizing that like we have probably equally as amount international numbers that we do as do we, than we do as UK as well, especially in Canada, America, and Africa. Like Africa is crazy. Like we have people all over Africa, like countries I've never heard of in my life, and we get listeners from there. So it'd be good to have a hub wherever the hub is in Africa. Nigeria is also our most listeners. So we'll probably start in Nigeria. 
um, America, we're getting thousands of listeners there. Canada, the same thing. So it's like targeting those areas and having like stations there that are catering to the local black music there. Like even the guy that's my background right now, he's the he's Ghanaian. He's the first Ghanaian, first African president to gain independence in Africa. Do you know what I mean? No one knows this one. And it's only when I went to go search their music that I found out about this one. And I'm like, yo, how come I don't know about this guy kind of thing? So, yeah, I feel like these shows are allowing people to tap into different cultures. We had Congolese people have their own show. The, well, Francophone in general, they had their own show. And that went crazy. Everyone loved that because, like, Francophone music, we all love it. We all love it. But I don't know where I can go to go and listen to a Francophone show. But I know I love their music. Like, I know I love their music. Um, same as the Ugandans and... Like we're trying to make sure everyone has their voices. It's not just Nigeria, it's not just Ghana, it's not just the Caribbean. There's so much black music that we don't know about. So what does being like a being black British mean to you and creating um a space for your community mean to you? Um I think I think identity is important. I think <laughs> I think like David said, a lot of us here are first generation onwards like in the in the African community West African community anyway we tend to be first second generation and in the um, West Indian community it's, it tends to be a little bit longer than that and I think identity is important but I know there's a really big difference in identity within the Black British community as well so I'm my both my parents are from Nigeria and they were both born there but I would consider myself black British before I say I'm Nigerian and maybe that's partly to do with language barrier or you know some people would assume oh have you ever been to Nigeria like from age six to 15 I was in Nigeria once a year every year like that's where I spent my holidays so it's not so much like a disconnect I'm very well connected but I would consider myself black British and I think my team, there's five of us, three of us are Nigerian, one is Ugandan and one is Jamaican. And although we're all, well, most of us were born in the UK, we still want to sort of cling to our heritage of being black. And being black, you can be from different places, but we are also very British. Like, I think it's key to understand that, like, the way we have set up our film club and the way we have set up these parties is in a very black British way. There's a reason why you know ain't no one coming to the dance till like 11 o'clock. If you're trying <laughs> to do anything, no one's coming to dance after that. Do you get what I mean? So it's just like, it's just, yeah, I just think, I don't know. I think it's difficult because you never want to police anyone's identity and you never want to tell anyone you need to be black British because you're here. Like some people feel more comfortable saying that they are a full Nigerian or they're this, they're that. And I just think for us in the black British community or just being black in England, like we've been here for a while. We've made a lot of strides. We've done a lot of great things. We've been mediocre. We've been great. We've done this. We've done that. And I think a lot of times we want to, I think a lot of times people look for props from the olders who have experienced something very different from us. Like their growing up in the black black British community was different. Like it's not the same. And I think a lot of us are creating stuff of our own. And I don't even really think that we sh- there should be a necessity to create your own because like, that's just very, ho- it sounds very hotel to me. Like we don't need to create mm. our own little 
Africa or little whatever. But I do think um, it's important for us to do things with a black British edge because that's primarily how we navigate this UK scene, London scene, whatever. Yeah, I was in, I did a focus group for um for the camping trip the other day. So we released, we showed some, like, 20 girls what we plan on doing for the next trip and stuff like that. And there was a girl in there and she was like to me, <laughs> she was like, I was on ropes after this question. She was like to me, um, what are you guys going to do to help people like me? I live in Wales to get to a retreat, something like that, because you guys are branding it as a black British experience and not a black, black Londoners experience. My heart was beating. I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> how far Wales is. It's so far. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I haven't even looked at, like, Welsh funding. I haven't even looked at those sorts of things. It's really about understanding that um, black Britishness is not limited to a London experience or a South East mm. experience. Yeah. But it's also important to, like, for me, I've always branded um the camping trip as a retreat for black british women not for black women i don't just say black i say black british women because it's a very like specific experience that people go through when they live in the uk when you when you grow up and live in britain there's a certain way that you navigate life and it's totally different to like i wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily be understood by somebody from canada or from the u.s and moving forward as well, that's also what I have in mind for like my my French and my German trip. Like that's why those women are needed to do that that foundation work, that grassroots work, because no one will know what it's like to be black French or black German other than them. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for me that um the black British experience is, is really amplified. And it's it's a hard subject to talk about because um in the one sense, like we are all black, but the black experience is is actually quite different, in my opinion. Um, depending on like where you're from, which generation you're in, and I find that a lot of um people as well are embarrassed to consider themselves British if they are black. But in like for me, there's n- there's no reason to be embarrassed about it. This is where we were born here for a reason. Our parents or grandparents or great grandparents they brought us here for a reason, and it's okay for us to be able to create things for ourselves. I think that the work that I've done has become more meaningful and more easy once I stop feeling guilty for creating exclusive spaces. Not everything is supposed to be inclusive. Not everything's for everybody. Something's just for Black Brits. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah, um, I was going to literally say about the Black British um, comment. I I definitely agree that being, being Black and British is definitely a unique thing that that as you said, like speaking pigeon and then suddenly speaking some patois that like, facts. A lot of people do that. Even nowadays, I find myself saying some lingo from Uganda because I'm spending my time with a lot of Ugandan people and they've got their lingo in their community, and I'm now saying it all the time. But one thing I would do say is that I still think that at the forefront of things that we should definitely still like, especially what what just happened recently in the world, that um, it should come second to whatever like your your actual where you're from in it because even when you look to like your your when you when you said about the black British experience that um the older generation maybe is different, it's that like, it's crazy because like, I went through a lot of shit when I was coming up which is so very much similar to some older people like in the in the area that I, I live in and there's a lot of people that's why I feel like there's a lot of people that are not from London that are black that live across the whole of the United Kingdom that goes through so much experiences that Londoners may not understand because there's so there's, there's more comfort zones in London. Do you know what I mean? Because you can come out, you look at your neighbour, they're black. You can go to your local auntie in your area 
or you can go sit at your uncles or you can go to your friends in Essex and other places like Essex it is so different it's not that do you know what I mean um, in the for example the, the area that I live in probably not more than 20 black families that I know do you know what I mean and again like if that's why I feel like so much stuff needs to happen outside of London for it to really make sense. Because, for example, like my little sister now, um, it upsets me so much that she's not growing up with anyone black. She's not. She's not speaking to anyone black at her age. Every time, like, oh, my friends are putting opportunities on Instagram, like, we're looking for kids from this age, da, da, da. and I'm like, oh, my sister, oh, they have to be from London. I'm like, oh, damn, but I really want to get stuff involved with black in it. Like, is there anything that anyone's doing for young girls that are black in it? There's nothing in this area. And sometimes it's like, so what do we do in it? Okay, okay eventually we are going to... Sorry, the camping trip's in Essex. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that, you just see that everyone says, it's, oh, you, no one actually seems Essex. But okay, no one actually seems Essex, but we did in it. That we did. And there's so much other people that by, not by their choice, that they've been forced out of London, which could happen to anyone, by the way. It could happen to your friend and someone they'd be like, yo, we're knocking down that thing and you lot got moved to this area. You've got no choice. And that just shows you again... That is another reminder. This is not our. This is not our thing. Remember, like, listen, look, look what happened to the people with the the Windrush. Like, they've been here longer than all of us, longer than all of us, and they still got getting sent back. Do you not think that's not going to happen? What you're saying now is kind of what I was saying before that the Black British experience, in my opinion, it varies depending on where you're from. It can really vary. Because for for me, like, I'm growing up here in a West Indian home and the worst thing, I thought that was like a regular thing. I thought that was happening to everybody. I was like, yeah, the chances of bought my brother and sister, they never touched foot in Jamaica before in their lives. They're saying that they need to go back there. My mum's like fighting and she's like um, contacting this MP and this Lord and this blah, blah, blah. Like you can't deport them because they've never been to Jamaica in their life. I was like, yeah, yeah, there's something that everyone's everyone's going through. But obviously it's not. Like then the story broke and I was like, oh, like everybody's not experiencing this. I, mm. I, one of the things I always say is that like anti-Caribbean sentiments in the UK is a very different type of anti-blackness because being one of the first ones to come in hordes, whew, my like my elders have taken some disgusting like some disgusting treatment from this country. And I don't even know mm. how I don't even know how they cope, like in their heads. I don't even know mm. how they cope. So I can definitely recognise how the experience is different, like you're saying, outside of London, but also how it can experience like how you can experience it differently. Um depending on what your cultural background is. Yeah, 100%. And I just feel like the the, the way this culture is really, really going to, um, like, really expand is when we start paying attention to people that are outside London. And and that's for me that I've gone up half of my life in London and then another half of my life in Essex, like, equally, as 25, I split both in the middle. And I've seen them both experience on both sides. And I'm like, yo, we're not making noise in Essex. And the people in Essex weren't supporting us to do our thing to now take it okay boom let's go to the capital now and let's do our thing there which is always harder and we was doing uni raves all over London like, everyone remembers that like, all these uni raves that happen in London not a lot of people can do their uni raves and then go to London to replicate it it's hard because it's, this competition it, it doesn't slap the same way it just doesn't it's a different vibe to it in it so but you need to also remember that like, there's so many and through music it, it happens and but music ain't enough do you know what I mean like music ain't in, enough like people like yourself as well you lot need to eventually try and before we get to Europe let's do Birmingham it's really interesting um the different experiences in those different areas but we're going to talk about the experiences of like brands and um 
your experience of working with brands. Nabila, you said you've um, worked with loads of different um, partners in the past. Like what was your, all of your experience working with brands? How do you feel like brands communicate um, with you? And what do you think, if anything, what needs to change within that? So starting from the position of when like brands started to notice Black Film Film or started to really yeah. like see what we were doing. And a lot of it was due to social media again. People would tweet, people would whatever. And all five of us are really well connected. So we would have people like Snoochie from uh Ray, from the radio coming to our event. We'd have different people, quite really popping people come and obviously then they would share it and all that kind of stuff. So people's eyes are looking in and they're like, whoa, like you guys are really tapped into this market. Yeah. And we were so like you you can imagine like you're doing things and you're sweating and you're spending 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 and then like a brand approaches you to be like hey we are launching this film we want you to screen it or we're doing thing at the bfi we want you to be a partner or this this that and the third you'll be so excited like eyes all all like in headlights like oh my god like they want to work with little old me and you start to do it and then it's like bro i'm bringing you like hundreds hundreds of physical people to this space to watch your stuff or even digitally we're running social campaigns we've got a mailing list of like over a thousand people yeah we're sending emails to our mailing list your stuff is selling out in two hours because our girls are buying tickets like we're giving you money spending power you're using our labor all that kind of stuff and then when we started to deep that the money either isn't there or the money doesn't compute is when we knew there was a problem. And, and as as great as it is, as people collaborating with brands and stuff, in my experience, they don't value our labour whatsoever. And it really pisses me off. <laughs> it really, really irritates me because it's like, you think it's easy because you think, potentially you think, oh, all black people know each other. So all you have to say is, oh, we're, go- we're, go- we're doing this. Do you want to come? Or we're doing this. Do you want to you know whatever but now it's what it's marketing it's marketing it's branding it's ops it's customer service it's all of this stuff rolled into one and you want to capitalize off that cool but all these other organizations and it's just like we obviously don't want to say no because part of you has that subconscious thing that you're being ungrateful or you're all this kind of stuff but they're trying to give you peanuts literally peanuts for a full-on campaign that they probably paid an agency to do for like five grand but because they know that authenticity sells and we are authentic they want to give you 250 for like a whole like it's just I just think the way brands like work with us and just in general like black people black women in particular it's just ridiculous like I don't know if you guys have seen in light of what's been happening a lot of black British influencers have spoken out that they have been missing pay for certain brands for over a year and my eyes watered at the site because I was just like it's not that you don't have the money because you do the whole point of asking external people to market for you is to bring coin essentially nothing is ever done just for free so we know it worked and we know you're getting money from it and you are profiting off of us and by not paying us for a substantial amount of time or paying us you know much less than really we're worth it's exploitation and it's why we are forced to create these things of our own it's why you know 
we felt sometimes we feel it's so important to have black people working for these organizations because we feel like okay cool you'll fight our corner and stuff like that but it shouldn't be up to them why you're coming to work to do nine to five why are you now doing slave mule to make sure that these people are paid adequately like no one's asking for anything massive it's just you want to partner with us because we add value and you're a major brand cool so it makes sense to partner with you pay people adequately give people their dues what i can say is that our brands ain't really done much brand partnerships that involve like a a lot of money to be honest we've done a few ones but i really really count them we've got a few now that are coming up we're gonna quickly because i know we've been um we're running out of we've run out of time, but we're going to quickly just talk about um, Corona and the effects of COVID. Really quickly, um, obviously, a lot of what we do with Black Film Film is physically coming together, which we now do. So that has massively impacted that. What we're currently doing now is just seeing how we can continue that essence of who we are virtually, um, which has proven quite difficult because the internet moves so fast. Like something's topical today, it's not topical tomorrow. Like that type of that type of thing the only thing we're confident in is the fact that we really revolve around film and tv and we're lucky enough to be in a space where we have stuff like insecure and we have films and stuff on netflix like blood and water and stuff and when people watch it they really love talking about it so we trying to create our pages to be that hub where you can come have conversations debate do polls and all that kind of stuff on like Issa versus lawrence like that type of stuff people really seem to enjoy it I'm not going to lie, it's hard. Like, COVID is hard. Like, even trying to run any sort of business, like, be, trying to be inspired or stay inspired by the four corners. And you guys can see my walls are white and they are bare. Yeah. <laughs> trying to stay inspired by my white walls is, is very difficult. And as much as I love the internet, I don't like that. That's the only, well, one of the only ways I'm really able to connect with my community. Like, I might, you know over the last week or so I might have been able to see one person but I like being within my community being in these spaces parties events like I like that it really really brings me joy and it really um inspires me so that part of it is hard and I think in regards to how COVID is as black British people I think obviously we've all like I'm not a medical professional but we've all seen you know the report how it's come out how it's dis disproportionately affecting us and essentially the government can come up they can come up with and spin it in so many different ways but the reason it is disproportionately affecting us is because of structural racism and until that kind of stuff is addressed the next time we have any sort of thing that's really helping um alien people medically or uh alien people environmentally like it's gonna always affect us and it's it's upsetting because there's not a lot we can do as individuals to get ourselves out of that position. Like when it comes to structural racism, it's not just about me going to university, getting a degree, putting on my shiny suit, earning a hundred K a year. And then now I'm absolved, absolved from it. That's not the realities of the majority of us. So I think, especially in this COVID time, like us doing what we can in a virtual sense, trying to bring joy and like allowing people to just, care about trivial stuff like really a tv show kind of just doesn't matter but why not why we're we not allowed to like tap out from from time to time so mm -hmm. i think that's probably our contribution to this time and 
one of the things that we're doing as well. For us, it's like, um, for me, I wasn't going to run a camping trip this year anyways. So even as an annual thing, like once a year, I wasn't going to do it anyways. Um, reason being, last year, like I had like heart surgery and I was very sick during the trip and I didn't want to be in that space. When um, it's I can't create retreats for black women to come away and rest and relax if I wasn't even able to rest and relax um, leading up to it. So I was going to take a year's break anyways and try to get my health in order and everything. Um, and like I said, I've had heart surgery and all of that. So for me, on this end, it wasn't something that was going to happen anyways. Um, but it has allowed me that time because I'm not at work anymore. I'm at home. I'm on furlough. So the extra time that I wouldn't normally have to put into the research and to be part of the team. So whereas I'm like designating roles and stuff like that for, for them to do, my volunteers to do, um, I ha- like I get to be a part of it now. I get to be very active. We get to have our weekly calls um, and catch up. I get to hear what's going on in their lives, take care of them as well, because it really is about taking care of each other. Um, so while COVID has obviously affected us in the sense that, um, like Nabila was saying about um, it disproportionately affecting us, I get to be on the ground and doing the thing that I love, which is taking care of the Black women that I care so much about. I just want to support. I just want to help. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Just to back up about the comment on the uh, government and black people getting the most cases. It's true. It is. I think it hundred percent is the lack of support that black communities have and the structural racism. Hundred percent. Because when you look at Africa, the cases are rather low, which is most black people in the world. So it's not about anything to do with our skin or our genes or our genetics or whatever the kind of bullshit they're trying to say. It's generally about how black people are treated in the United Kingdom. Um, honestly, even in America, the numbers are ridiculous. So it's the same thing in America. It's, 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 why is it not the same? Why are there not millions of deaths in Africa? And how much people in Africa is not the same. You can't compare it in the countries in Africa. So um, in terms of the jobs as well, um, I can't lie to you. It's scary, you know. It's scary because, as I said, like a lot of um, black people that work in the kind of industry that I work in, the music specifically, um, consultancies, and when they when they're ready to chop off people, they're gonna start with a consultant. Do you know what I mean? Which are the black people. So it's tough. I know a few people that work in music that have been cut off already, and they told them they don't know when they'll come back. It's crazy. It's sad to it's sad to see, and it's not like they're not important. It's not like they're not doing their jobs. They're very important, and they've been doing a good job but they're the easiest, they're at disposal. Yeah. I, for me as well, like today, for example, I had like a really solid cry today because I was, um, I started to do the camping trip stuff and I just started to feel so overwhelmed because realistically the camping trip exists as a retreat for black women. Um, but like, I started to really dwell on why is it a retreat for black women? Why is this needed? It's because of the state of the world, and I start to feel a lot of pressure. Like, wow, if I like with all of this happening, I know how it's going to affect other black women like me. I know how it's going to affect black women who are in worse positions than I am, who have children, who don't have jobs, who are going to lose their job, who don't have money. And I start to feel so much pressure. Like, wow, if I if I'm not able to curate the perfect space, then I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. And it's the stakes are even higher now because the need for it is going to be even higher come this time next year. People would have been out of work for a long time. They would have the mental health um, impact is going to be insane. People are going to need that so much more um, than they than they did before. So what if I can't pull it off? What if I can't do what they need of me? So yeah, I feel a lot of pressure. And I just want to say that 
that big up on what you're doing because big man thing that it is there is not enough stress relief because I'll see what you're doing as as a relief for people um, that are whatever they're doing even if it's just like because what I'm trying to explain to people even at this time is that black people are still struggling to celebrate because they feel they can't celebrate because of all the trauma which I think is wrong I still feel like what people should be allowed to celebrate like I've heard so much good news um, my friends have had so much good news and we've had to like shut ourselves up because we're scared people are lying and they be like, oh, read the room, dude. Like, da, 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 da. But no, it's like we've been going for trauma for how many hundreds of years now? So you're now trying to tell me that I can't celebrate something that's good that's happening in the black community now. So when we did our talks yesterday on Face to Fact, we was like, you know what, after today, and we speak about why we're upset and how we're upset we've been for many times, we now need to do celebration of that good stuff like we need to celebrate ourselves now so we need to find out who are the people that are thriving in these industries or in these seasons whatever it may be let's hear their stories let's hear how much good stuff they do let's start talking about our history thank you for joining us let us know if you have any upcoming events i'm i'm saying drop your plugs in now <laughs> and your social channels i would say a lot of the stuff that we're doing revolves around, um, a lot of the stuff that we're doing currently revolves around the stuff that we're already watching, like Insecure, Netflix shows, films and stuff. So if you love that kind of stuff and you are intrigued in, you know, once the world opens back up again to join us physically, even if you are a non-Black person or if you're a Black man, you can still engage with a lot of the stuff that we're doing online, digitally. Um, but yeah, definitely follow us at Black Femme Film B. L-A-C-K-F-E-M-M-E film. Um, that's both on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, so the same goes for me. So what we, we're planning on doing is running a bunch of like um, small events, like fundraising events that anybody can take part in with the idea in mind that you will be funding a retreat for Black women in the UK. So if Black women are important to you, then you can come to the event and you can pay your ticket money and it's going to be going towards our retreat. Um, so our socials are at BG Campaign, so that's on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but I strongly recommend that if you are a black woman, or actually anybody as well, because you can find out ways that you can support, is to go to the website, which is www.blackgirlscampingtrip.com and signing up to the mailing list because that's where I will be telling you guys about everything that's coming up where you can buy merch that's going to help fund the trip where you can um, buy tickets that's going to help fund the trip where you can donate you can um, pay for somebody else's ticket if they can't afford it so then the girls can apply for a free ticket that sort of stuff so I definitely recommend Yo, I just want to say lock into North Signal Radio every day Um, Thank you for listening guys Um visuals from the podcast will be available on our instagram channel as well so have a look at all the people you just listen to um and we'll see you next week bye